This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Kenny Conversation, brought to you by Jegs, the leader in high-performance aftermarket car parts. Remember to go to jegs.com for everything you need for your vehicles. This next guest is a dear friend of mine. I love him so much. We talk, we get along. I have a picture of him sitting in my Dirt Modified. Actually, we're going to have Charlie Marlowe drop that right now. There you are. The legendary, the two-time Chili Bowl champ, Rico Abreu. How you doing? I'm good, Herm. Thanks for having me on, bud. Oh, I love that smile. So, um, you know, as the song goes, it's the holiday season. So, where are you at? I'm uh, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska for the week with Megan and her family. We're doing Thanksgiving here. I got a busy uh, month coming up, so we're uh, scheduling everything out. So, I'm spending some time here with her family um, and then headed home for a week and, and then back to the PRI show and then straight to Australia from there. So we got some busy, busy days coming. But it's it's exciting, right? I mean, very exciting. racing. Yeah, very, uh, very exciting. I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, you just stay healthy through all this movement and, and especially traveling across uh, the country here. And, and when we get to Australia, I'm taking, I sent a car in August. So I'm super excited to take my, kind of my team over there Ricky's not coming with us, but I'm going to be on the phone with him every day, just trying to figure out how to go racing uh, his way a little bit. And I got some close friends coming with me, so it's going to be a fun trip. So how do you go about sending a race car, all your equipment? How do you send that over there? We we uh, we sent it in a container and it left in August, like right after the Knoxville Nationals, we went home and loaded this container up in Muncie, Indiana. We We split some of the the, the space, the square footage was Luch Monty, who's uh, Monty Farms over in Australia. That That is is um, him and a, a couple other gentlemen are uh, essentially bringing us to to race over there. So it's exciting to be a part of something like that. I haven't been – I went to Australia in 2017 with Keith Coons, and then um, I went with Paul Silva and Trevor Canales in 2012. So it's been uh, over 10 years for me to be there in a sprint car and – when I went in 2012, I literally crashed every time I was on the racetrack. So I, uh, I kind of put those memories behind me. But we had a great time and lots of uh, lots of cool opportunities over there. So Rico, there is so much to talk about with you. Uh, as I always tease to everybody, and everybody always sees this as, and I, 
I act like I'm Larry Mac Reynolds. I got my notes. I did my, I did my studying on Rico, but I, I didn't really have to do much on you because I know you. I know you so well. You are an incredible talent. You are a great race car driver. You're not good. There's a difference between good and great. And you are a great race car driver. But I believe this year, 2023, watching you, I watched all your wins. Is this, has this been your best year in racing in your life? Uh, most consistent year. Um, and definitely over a, a big picture. Yes, it has been a career season. And, and I put all that back to my team. Um, you know, from the bottom to, to where we've gotten it and, and Ricky Warner being such a big asset to our team and educating us, me as a race car driver uh, and, and just, um, you know, where I really allowed uh, my team to do their role and not micromanaged everything. And, uh, and like, I, I feel like I have in the past. So um, Ricky's, like I said, been a huge asset and uh, brought a huge level of experience to, to racing for me and, and allowed me to, um, you know, really focus on showcasing, uh, you know, this talent that I have as a race car driver. I love racing. I love being out on the racetrack. It's where I find my peace in life. And um, you know how it is, Herm. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to get to do all this stuff. And, and, and I just, I just, I turned 31 years old this year. And so I feel like I've, I've matured as a person a lot too. And it's, it goes back to being around great people. I find this Fascinating because unlike you, you know, I know your family is ultra successful. We will talk about that later, but I think you and I are a lot the same. Sometimes early in my life, I felt like that if I didn't have my hands on it and I didn't do it, that I was not going to run good. Then uh, Steve Bird, 1991, Birdie became my crew chief and I won three Xfinity races and I got to going. So are, so are you saying that you backed out of the race car hands-on a little bit and that's why you think you're so good this year? Um, I think some of it. You know, I, I think I got spread thin there for a while and, and trying to um, manage every piece of my race team. And, and I was driving the hauler to the races and – working on the races. I, I just enjoyed getting to kind of do every little role. And, um, you know, I, I know it took away from my, my craft in driving and, and my focus on, um, you know, getting better as a, as a physical race car driver. So, um, you know, establishing a great team and a, a loyal team and, and growing towards consistency, I think. And, and I've really focused on consistent and qualifying and, Consist being consistent in heat races and then putting ourselves in positions at the end of the A mains. And, and that's where um, you've really seen this package uh, get better. And, and when you do that, you put yourself in position the last 10 laps of the races and then you're in the hunt to win. I, I really like this because, you know, I've been through this. I can relate. You're saying you're better this year. And when you look back on it, you think you know why. And sometimes when we talk to racers, they're like, hell, I don't know what I'm doing. It's we're doing the same of everything. But um, I think all of us racers can learn from something like you're saying right now. So Rico, I feel like I want to call an audible right now. I want to remind everybody about you. And that's what Kenny conversation is. So uh, Rico Abreu, 31 years old, as you said, 
from St. Is that Helena, California? St. Helena. Saint, Saint, oh, I love that. It's a beautiful name. Uh, Two-time Chili Bowl winner, 2015, 2016. 2014 USAC National Midget Series champion. 2014 Belleville Midget Nationals champion. Now come the big boys. 2013, 2016, two times. You are a four-crown Nationals midget winner at Eldora. Now that is badass. Man, that's hard to do. 2021, four crown nationals wing sprint car winner. And and, and this is something we will talk about. Uh, you've got a win in the Canon Pro Series, an East win. At Columbus Motor Speedway. Yes. <laughs> um, and listen, we can go on and on. We know that. Um, when I say all that to you, where does your brain go? What do you think about? Uh, I, I think about the people that helped me get to that point in my career. Um, from Keith Coons with all the success, um, you know, racing USAC midgets and Paul Silva and Ricky Warner and, um, you know, a couple others that were huge assets to my, in the Kading family, to my sprint car career. And then, you look back to, um, you know, when I was really progressing rapidly, um, like 2014, 15, and 16, and I started to follow that path, um, you know, with, with how inspiring Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell became in the dirt world, everybody kind of wanted to follow that that dream of getting to the Cup Series and being a, a, a NASCAR Cup driver. And, um, you know, and, and my my impressions of it were I wanted to I I wasn't mature enough at the time to looking back now but I wanted to to get to the cup series through the the direction that that Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell traveled you know from Keith Coons to stock cars to late models stock cars to the truck series to Xfinity to cup and I wanted to um you know, make that investment worthy to return that to, um, you know, if, if it was my family that was investing in some of that or, or to our partners or to these teams. And, and, and I, I got to Harry Scott's and Justin Marks's East program, which was an unbelievable program. And I was um, surrounded by some amazing people, Marty Lindley, uh, you know, a, amazing short track crew chief now in the Xfinity series racing for uh, championships and, um, you know, and, and I look back and I wish I would have done each of those platforms twice in two years. And and I felt like I'm, I was so new to racing in each series that um, I was behind the eight ball every time just on my development. And and you see Christopher and Kyle developed a little bit faster and, and they picked up on things quicker than, um, you know, than myself did at the time. Um but now we've, I've gotten into, I've really stuck to sprint car racing over the last decade here. And it's really uh, helped my craft as a race car driver and my maturity as a race car driver. And, um, you know, I just, I see it as a, as I've been a late bloomer in these series and, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a, a great vision to work towards uh, myself and um, to know that like there, there's still, um, you know, not the direction of stock car racing, but in, in the world of outlaw and sprint car industry, like I still have, um, you know, 
a desire here to to a hundred percent to be all committed to being a champion at this as a race car driver. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to comment on this because this is a conversation. It's not so much I'm interviewing you. Uh, I wanted, and I have been on my knees before, looking up at the good Lord God and saying, God, why did you not give me the talent that Jeff Gordon has? So I think we all go through life. You know, when you look at Kyle Larson or Christopher Bell, uh, I've been there. I've thought like you have have thought, but I like what you're saying. Uh, You've matured is what you're saying. Are you at peace with yourself right now? Because, I mean, I feel like you're as good as you've ever been. I'm 100% at peace, and I'm super happy. I'm, I'm surrounded by some amazing people in my, in my sprint car team and, uh, you know, our digital marketing team that we've created here um, and our partners that believe in my ability as a race car driver and my fiance Megan, and my dog, Gus. And, like, we, I feel like everything is in, in place to um, just keep climbing forward and – uh, I'm in love with sprint car racing. I'm in love with racing in general and following me um, too. You know, just everything <laughs> going on. And our sport is uh, has has climbed so much over the last decade, and there there's so much potential to it. And, and it's a it's an amazing time to be a part of sprint car racing right now, and and just dirt track racing and grassroots racing in general. And it, this is definitely the stepping stones to um, you know stock car racing for any young kid that wants to get involved in racing if you're from being a mechanic to a crew chief to um you know a race car driver you know this is where it all starts i want there's two things on my mind because i'm listening to you very intently i hear you talking about you know that uh knn east the number 31 car believe was that your number back then uh it was 98 number 98, 98. okay yeah so do you feel like you have unfinished business in NASCAR? Uh, not at all. Good. I, I've had closure with it for a few years. Um, you know, I, the, the end there was was tough, but I had a lot going on. And, um, you know, I was wanting to race my sprint car and race with Keith Coons, um, you know, and try to race uh, in the truck series full time and um, get some late model experience, which I did some stuff with David Gillen during that that mm. pace and uh it really um sped up the prop my learning curve in um stock car racing just getting one-on-one and um getting laps on track so uh I, I just if i were to do it all over again i would do each series twice and then 
um, make the jump just so you get that experience and you get locked in with a great team. And, and I think the, 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 what I've understood about stock car racing is it's so generated around people and team and, um, finance financial, um, you know, to push this through quickly. And, and you look at, um, you know, gentlemen and ladies that have developed extremely fast through that series. And it's, uh, it is, it is inspiring to see that. And people, um, it just shows that their learning curves are all different. Um, you know, you see how quickly Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell went through and, and now you see Toyota really and Ford really pushing, um, you know, the, the youth of the female drivers and, and which is really, which is really, really cool to see. So, um, from the outside looking in, you like to see all that stuff and it, and it generates, um, success in that industry. It generates viewership and, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just cool to be a part of. So let's call it an audible. Let's just stay right where you're talking about. I had, I had this down my list. Uh, so we have, uh, seen earth shaking movement in the world of outlaw sprint cars and the wing sprint cars. So we don't want it to be like this, but it, it seems like it's going that way. Uh, we've got the high limit series owned uh, by Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson. And we have the world of outlaws legendary name. Logan Shuhart has said, I'm staying with the world of outlaws. Brad is going over there. So, you know, when I look at this, I'm like, okay, we're healthy because we got two series. And when I look at the World of Outlaw late models and Lucas Oil late models, I feel like there's always room for two series. I feel like that. Give me your thought. What are you going to do next year? What's your opinion on the new high, high limit series? Now, these are uh, great questions. And, and I think it's, it's important that this stuff is discussed, um, you know, and, and it's, I, I praise Brad and Kyle and Flo for what they've created here in the sprint car world. We need it. I love competition, um, you know, from these broadcasting venues, Flo and, and Dirt Vision. And, and all it does is create growth, really. I've, my whole career, besides I, I competed for um, in 13 and 14 for national USAC Midget Championship, um, you know, where I, I, I legit, raced um you know my third year ever racing as a full-time as a race car driver i competed with keith coons the 35 race schedule or 40 race schedule and um in 14 we won the championship together where i i was in like a points race mode but my whole career i've never competed um for a, a title or a championship and and never received any of the benefits of, of the championship funding and the tow packages that get created in these series. Um, so I, I, I've never depended on that. And, and I've, I've just kind of been branded by this true outlaw um, racer where we just went and raced for the money from when I started with um, Katie performance to Paul Silva five years to, um, you know, ex exchanging interactions with different team members uh, to racing on my own to um, now having Ricky Warner. We've, we just kind of lived this true outlaw schedule and going back to these series is, is you see this, this competition now, and, and it just raises the bar on both sides. And, um, you know, each series needs, needs those branded drivers and, and that draw those crowds to um, when you get to 
certain races that um, don't generate a, a, a big fan base. And, and you've seen that with the, the, with the high limit weekday series is, is Kyle generates, um, you know, big crowds to these races and, and, and how healthy it is for sprint car racing. Um, you know, it, it's just so cool to sit back and see that, you know, you see the fans packed, the stands packed, and then you see, the money that's being generated into this sport now with this pay-per-view stuff um, or from dirt vision or from flow. And you understand that like, it's really healthy right now for sprint car racing and for us to go race for a good amount of money, just to show up and race. And you're racing for anywhere from 10, 12, 25, 50, hundred thousand. You see these races at Hucits now, and, and then I sit here and sit back and think like, where was that money a few years ago? And um, so it, it, a lot of it is, um, you know, this pay-per-view stuff and them putting back into the sport. And you want to see that. That's that's what we're all here to see is, um, you know, is, is return and investments. I like that you, like all of us back in the NASCAR days, we admitted that Dale Earnhardt Sr. was the man uh i've heard the name kyle larson come out of come out of your out of your voice quite a lot uh brad sweet too obviously is his brother-in-law has everyone in open wheel accepted that kyle larson is is a god-given talent because we did we accepted jeff gordon we accepted dale senior all of us drivers are like man that guy's got a gift from God. Do, do all the open wheel drivers accept that Kyle's great or are some people jealous? Um, I think you're, you'll always see jealousy in, in drivers and, and teams and, and fans. And, um, you know, that's just a product of humanity is, uh, you know, people don't like to see people be successful and they, they like to see people, um, you know, at their level, if they're at a lower level, but I think it's, uh, it's amazing to just be in this generation of racing and to see a talent like Kyle go through the sport. And, um, you know, what's also great is, is you have, um, a guy like Kyle that raises the bar in the industry and it allows every, makes everybody work harder to, to beat that competition. And, um, you know, it's, extremely satisfying to me the races that we do um beat him straight up or beat any driver straight up um and that's my ultimate goal is to work harder than everybody else at this um on the branding side on the personality side and on the racing side and have this um amazing package at rico over racing and myself my brand to bring it to the table to when we do show up at these races is we're doing the marketing better than them. We're racing better than them. And our personality is better than them. And, uh, and that, that's just how I look at it. And I want to um, check all those off when I'm uh, sitting on my couch watching races at the end of my career. So we, we watched, look, we'll wrap this up, uh, this moment here. We watched Steve Kinzer, Doug Wolfgang, uh, slamming Sammy Swindell, uh, we watched those nicknames come along, the world of outlaws. And here we are, 2023. And it sounds to me, and what I read is 2024 is going to be this second infusion, this second phase, this second big change in life for the winged sprint cars. Do you, do you think 
that 2024 is going to be a generational change, like like one of the biggest changes in sprint car history with, you know, it sounds to me like high limit's going to be like a world of outlaw deal. It's going to be big. It is. There's going to be a big momentum behind um, high limit, and, and that's going to create big momentum um, behind the world of outlaws too because you're going to create this rivalry now and what direction people go and what direction teams go and uh, who's going to pay more money at each race. Um, and you're going to get the fans involved in it. You're going to get the drivers involved and the team members involved. And I think it's, it's amazing for the sport and I'm all about it. I'm all about the hype. And uh, I just want to go race and at the end of the day and go make money. Rico, thank you for discussing a difficult subject. I think we did good. I don't think we're going to get in trouble. We had to rough, we had to rough Brad up early in the year, but, and he stuck with it. He's a five time. Brad, Brad's doing an amazing job. And, and it's a, uh, He's he's a great friend of mine. And, um, you know, and he's uh, you know, I really uh, look up to his driving style and his mannerism and his respect out on the racetrack and um, his respect across sprint car racing and what he's created here. And um, ultimately, this is this is his vision that he's pushing through and, and he's he's breaking boundaries. And, and you you like to see that. And, and um, you gain lots of respect for somebody like that. And, um, you know, and, and ultimately it's, uh, you know, Brad is the, the, the front of this thing. And it's, uh, it's really cool to see. Are you going to run the full high limit series? I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'd love racing. I, I love sprint car racing. I'm going to go what makes sense to races that make sense to me, um, you know, in my team. and. It's important that um, you know this this brand of uh, of this true outlaw schedule, and I think it's uh, you know I, I'll go to a high limit race, and I'll go to a world of outlaw race, and yeah. I'll go to a local race one day if it suits uh, our schedule. Uh, thinking about that right now, uh, are you driving for Keith Coons at the Chili Bowl this year with twenty thousand dollars on the line? <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm going to be in Australia on that Saturday, the 13th. So unfortunately this year I'm changing it up a little bit. I did the chili bowl 13 years in a row. Mm. And I think it's, uh, it's important for my brand to get over to Australia and I'm going to spend 30 days over there. Wow. And I want to uh, spend lots of time with the race fans at the races and just kind of enjoy the trip. Um, and I am, uh, you know, it's, it's a good for change of pace sometimes um, yeah. in, in this lifestyle that we all live. And I've dedicated, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll always be a fan of the Chili Bowl. I've dedicated 13 years of, um, you know, that week long experience there, which is, is an amazing event. And there's, um, you know, it's had so much growth over the years. And I just, uh, this year I'm changing it up a little. Well, that's very emotional for me. Uh, I know as a child, I know what the Chili Bowl meant for all of you. Uh, watching all of you get older and get mature, you know, Kyle Larson's, yourself, Seabell, uh, Chili Bowl, I'm sure you'll be back there one day. So let's have a little fun, uh, Rico. Let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. So I'm a big fan of yours, so I follow you on all social. I will, I will give you my first uh -oh. one. This goes to you for being the greatest souvenir salesman of all time. I, uh, 
so, this goes to you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> I see Gus, your your loyal, loving dog. Uh, Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I see that you're going to put a sticker of Gus in some of the bags when people buy a hat or a shirt. Yeah. Sticker of Gus. Tell, tell me about your souvenir. says everybody started copying you. Uh, you bought I a fan. Tell me about souvenirs. I see a little bit of it, which is good. I think that's great for the sport um, to see things like that. Um, you know, I just take a lot of pride in it. And I, I my ultimate goal is to fund my racing um, through merchandising and, and where it um, reliefs uh, a sponsor like uh, my family and they're able to go invest that that budget somewhere else. So, uh, you know, it's just... I, I look at merchandising as as a form of interaction with fans and and fans having that passion to to buy items from race car drivers and support those race car drivers and it's important for me to um, to be really personal about it and 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 get creative in how you advertise things and, and we brought Gus and Megan and I brought Gus into our lives and, and we've built this platform now through our social media outlets that that Gus is. Um, you know, this, this, this famous racetrack dog now that everybody is, um, comes to see and say hello. And he, he blows my mind at times just with his personality and how generous he is to the fans. And he doesn't ever get really tired or wore out by the fans. And he just loves to sit up on the trailer and get petted and, um, you know, and, and just stay there and chill. And it's really comforting to the race fans to, to approach an animal like that. And, and I, I, I try to put myself in that same category as, as a very approachable person that um, you break that boundary and that barrier of, uh, of comfort. And, um, you know, so, and, and that's what essentially race results and, uh, and personality is what sells merchandise. And, and I try to uh, be the best in both. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Because here's why, because I have Louie and Lucy and I love them. And they're comfortable. They they they're cold. You hold them. So basically, you're saying you have some fans that come to your souvenir trailer just to see Gus. It, it, you know, because they love dogs. They do. They do. And they they have a you know. There's a connection there between the dog and the fan. And it might. It, and it's not even through me. And, and they might not even be fans of me. And they're coming up to see Gus and <laughs> that's it's, awesome. Uh, it's, a zone. it's comfort zone. While we're talking about Gus, let's keep having fun. Uh, on your Instagram, we see, uh, and now I get to finally address it with everybody. We see the legendary little dirt track. I guess that's on your family property. You have yeah. the look like the crown Victoria. Maybe it was newer. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this legend. Now, is this where you learned how to race? You made a racetrack? Yeah, so my father and Rich Staddlehofer, a business partner of his, um, 
built this racetrack once i i got out i got through i'll I'll speed the story up but i got through once i got through middle school into high school i really uh couldn't play sports anymore physically i was just um it just didn't work for me so i wrestled all through middle school and played uh little league and, and did all the sports through elementary and middle school and then high school i went to wrestling and uh to maintain you know, my, that physical, just, uh, aggression that I always had and competitiveness. And, um, I still weighed like 80 pounds and I was re- supposed to be wrestling one of threes was the lightest weight class in high school. So, um, you know, I went, I, I, I went and did, uh, you know, all the gym stuff with the team and then went to our first meet and this kid was six foot, 103 pounds. And, was, <laughs> three and a half foot, um, you know, still waiting to hit my growing spurt. So, uh, so I, I kind of moved on through sports and, and found this connection with our neighbors that raced the Griffin family in St. Helena locally, um, still have involvement in racing and, and following my career. And, um, you know, they brought me to some go-kart races and, and we convinced, uh, my father that I could get into a go-kart and, and they could physically fit me in there where I was comfortable. And, we built a go-kart track at her house and, uh, and, and Rich Saddlehofer and my father got all their team together and built this amazing track. And we would have, I would just go out there and run laps every, every weekend. And sometimes during the week after school and just burn as many laps as I could. And and that's what got me up to speed so quickly. And we got to test set up stuff um, with two of the mechanics that worked for the company that, that maintenance and maintained all the equipment uh, they, on their off time, they would work on the go-karts with me. And, and that's what really sped up my learning curve is, is I just got thousands of laps by myself and we put fuel back in and change a little tire pressure, make some adjustments and then go right back out there. And then we started inviting um, people in the racing industry over to, to race. And, uh, and then I started competing full time and I was racing uh, three classes a night um twice a weekend so six a main events and, and um for like a 30 race schedule at cycle and speedway and um then we'd go to lakeport on sundays on the way home and it would uh i just got lots of laps and and the kading family came to us and, and said that uh brant kading said he could modify a sprint car and i was 18 years old uh you know getting into a sprint car well i love watching that little racetrack grow i think i think one day as we grow older there's going to be a plaque a gold plaque and it's going to say that you know where rico avru started now one thing i do see and and i'm not sure i mean we have done some talking before are you and kyle larson childhood friends i i saw kyle racing there with you and you guys just doing death defying moves, putting the right rear, running up on the boards because you have a wall. It's like you guys said, okay, we're not going to run the bottom of my track we built. We're on purpose going to try to just run this wall here. Tell me about you and Kyle at that track. Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was 16 or 17 years old when I met Kyle. Um, They were racing at Calistoga Speedway uh, for Dave Bertullo and, uh, they came, we were doing, running some go-kart stuff. Uh, he got, just got out of the go-karts and was getting full-time into sprint cars when I was getting into go-kart racing. And um, so they came up, his family came up to uh, an event we had where we invited some friends to race their go-karts. And he, that's really where the introduction was made. And 
you know, and, and it just, the relationship grew from there and where I was able to uh, just graduated out of high school and was able to kind of follow his career with him. And my father and Rich Saddlehofer started sponsoring him full time. And he got into uh, one of the sprint car teams my father owned where he was able to uh, race a lot more. And, um, you know, in not just in California, but in the Midwest. So he was running races in California and the Midwest. And, um, you know, that's when Keith Coons picked Kyle up and, I just got into sprint car racing at that time and I was, um, you know, that path was definitely to race sprint cars and midgets for Keith Coons um, and, and and Keith Coons' program, his development program really accelerated with, um, you know, my father's investment there and a, a massive investment from um, Toyota Racing on developing their engine. And we were just really getting into the program at that time. And the relationship with Kyle and I really grew just those years of, um, you know, we spent a lot of time together. So I like that you tell that story because I have this as one of my last conversations with you. Uh, for a heartfelt person like me, we love people. Uh, we can be mean when we have to be mean. But I have seen some of your posts, how much you love your family. One about a week or two ago how you made a nice post about, I believe your brother, you love him. You said you wanted to thank him or some family member mm -hmm. about how they carry on Abreu Vineyards. And tell me about this, this Abreu Vineyards and what it's all about and your love, your respect for your father and your family. Yeah. Uh, lots of respect. Um, you know, as, I've grown older, you, you start to educate yourself on, um, you know, business practices and understanding family history and, um, you know, and you see the change in generations and family history and, and you see it, things go good and go bad, um, you know, for families that have, uh, you know, businesses and, and structures of inheritance. And um, so it's really, I've really been able to see, you know, what my father's created in the wine industry and, and Napa Valley on from the vineyard management side of the business where he maintains uh, clients ranches for them um, that have passion in the wine industry. And, um, you know, and then on the other side of it, there's a business of winemaking and, and my father being a viticulturist his whole life um, from came from cattle farming to to now this amazing viticulturist that has this vision in, in the Napa Valley, which is, um, you know, the, the heart of, uh, you know, of viticulture and wine industry. And, and it's where the, the farming takes place. Uh, and it's the most beautiful part of the country. I feel getting to travel a lot. So, um, it's, it's just amazing to see what he's created and, and to be a part of it. And I'm out here kind of racing and, and living this, uh, you know, this, this vision of, of life that not everybody gets to experience. And, and you see kind of these things that go on back at home and my passion, the passion from my brother and sister and father for, um, you know, in the wine industry and my mother. And, um, you know, it just becomes inspiring and uh, because it's not, it has nothing to do with racing. And, and I'm lucky enough to, to kind of sit back and, and watch this thing build and have momentum and, um, you see how um, heavily involved people, family members become. And it's, it's just cool for me to see. You said that so wonderfully with love, passion. Uh, 
following up in that same situation, I'm thinking of Brendan Gron, the great race car driver. Raced his whole life, got up into age and said, okay, I'm going home. I'm going to run South Point Casino. Okay, so when you get up in age, you know, I don't want you to become one of those dirt daubers. And I know you won't. I know you won't. Uh, we see a lot of dirt daubers. And this is a nickname I give them where they, they forget when they, you know, what are they going to do? Because we know racing's not real. We know it's a sport. Uh, do you see yourself one day, this phrase I'm making up, or going home to help run the family business like a Brendan gone? I see myself learning all or, or gathering all of the experience and knowledge that I have in racing and, and bringing that to um, and the marketing values and bringing that to a business like um, what my father's created. And, um, you know, my, my father's very craftedly, um, you know, structured his vineyard management business to be the best vineyard management business in the Napa Valley and have any, he, and he's put someone in place to, to be the best winemaker in the, in the world, uh, mm -hmm. and articulate these great, amazing wines, um, around this brand of each property that he's fallen in love with and owns. Um, and I see myself bringing, um, you know, the, the marketing level of things there to, to where you, you tell that you present this story to people and, um, and, and you present it through, uh, a really organic personality like mine. And, and yeah. that's where I, I kind of see my place there. My time's not ready yet because I still have, um, major accomplishments I want in the racing industry as I'm only 31 years old. You're still a baby. I <laughs> I want to be, um, you know, this, I want to have, build this legacy of this successful race car driver owner. And, um, and I, so, so, so I build those posts and, and I, because I see the passion that my family has internally and, the, and I see that they understand kind of my direction and, and my placement there. And, uh, you know, and that, that's it. And I, and I don't have this ego of want to come in and say, this is mine or, you know, you get this and you see families like that and it all uh, disrupts everything that's flowing. And, you know, so, so, so I've been able to sit back and kind of just watch things and, and it, it's a, it's a process. I think it's wonderful. If, if you don't mind, I'd like to get, I'm a little intrigued. Uh, I'm going to say it in my most redneck way, uh, my dirt, my dirt racing way. And we're dealing with dirt. Is it to my understanding that your father is one of the smartest people in the world with soil and uh, building a vineyard? Uh, is that one of his services? That is his service. He will develop your ranch uh, for you. And um, he has a great vision on layout. And uh, he has a, a strong group of employees behind him that um, that help him with that vision. And he's very he's a very loyal person. He's very passionate for uh you know vineyard managing and he and and building these beautiful pieces of property that become art for something somebody and it's a piece of art for for a client that um you know they come home to, that that's what they come home to and uh he's he's a very uh extremely smart and knowledgeable person when it um it comes to really anything and 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 he's been a huge help to to where I've gotten to in, in my life and my career, um, you know, as this, 
as this platform that I've, I've built as a, um, you know, race car driver and owner and uh, salesman. It's a wonderful thing to hear how much you love your family. It's a wonderful thing to hear that you and I know our spot. You and I are the same. We're both entertainers. We both go get money. We both develop money. Uh, I'm thankful to my dad every day. And uh, Rico, I love you. You're one of the uh, greatest race car drivers. You're still very young, but you've accomplished a lot. Uh, at this time, I want to tell all the fans that remember, we are in podcast form. We are on Spotify. We're on iTunes. And you can listen to Rico on the way to work. And then you can continue to listen to the great Rico Abreu on your way home. Uh, Rico, so much to do. We know you're a hardcore racer. We know you're very young. We know you got a lot to do. But it's fun to look in the past, look in the future. Thank you so much for being on Kenny Conversation. Thanks, Herm. All right, everybody. Remember, Kenny Conversation just keeps on rolling. We've got the greats ahead of us. We had Ricky Carmichael, Dale Jr. We've been breaking records because all of all of you, we love you. And until next time, Kenny Conversation just keeps on rolling.